Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll. I am not your normal host, as I'm sure you can tell. I am not Christian Rivas. Uh, we uh, we sent Christian out to the wild, into the wilderness this week. Uh, he's actually on vacation camping. Uh, um, he actually told me the other day that he was uh, there were bears walking around his tent the first night he was out there. So hopefully Christian will be back with us next week. But if uh, he is not, I guess you will know why. But um, it is draft week. It is the onslaught of rumors. Um, there is so much to cover uh, for the Lakers. Um, but as I as I mentioned, we're going to start with the draft today. Um, we're recording this a couple hours after the Woj and Low ESPN show. Um, rumors have been coming out for the Lakers really for the last week. So um, I'm sure Anthony will be discussing that in his Lakers lowdown. We're going to kick you off with um, with some draft coverage. And there's nobody else. I would want to discuss Lakers draft prospects with then a good friend of mine, a long time uh, draft aficionado, Mike Garcia. Mike, how you doing today, bud? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I am, as I'm sure some of you saw, I am back with, well, not back. I'm with Silver Screen and Roll now. Um, I'm back on the Lakers beat, I should say. Um, so I honestly, I mentioned this to you beforehand. I've watched stuff on the Hornets and Pelicans prospects, right. but right. I do not know much about the Lakers prospects. So I'm going to be learning along with our listeners today. I was fielding questions from you or fielding answers from you, throwing questions at you this weekend. <laughs> and then I just kind of decided Christian's not going to be here. So let's just do this on a podcast. So we're going to look at a couple first round prospects. There's rumors about what the Lakers may do in the draft already. Um, there is all types of stuff that we are going to try to break down for you, um, this, uh, this afternoon for us, but on Monday for you guys. Um, so first the Lakers technically right now have the number 22 pick in the draft. There's a lot of things that could happen. That could be part of a trade to bring in a player. They may be trading down, but for right now, um, they have the 22nd pick. So there's a couple guys. Um, I asked Mike and, and took a look at kind of his big board to, to look at a couple guys to see who, um, he has kind of pinged as, uh, guys the Lakers should target, um, start off with a familiar name. And honestly, I asked him this, uh, about two days ago. And this player might already be out of the Lakers range, uh, because he is flying up the draft board, but Oregon's Chris Duarte. Um, just kind of briefly at first, what is it about him that um, makes you think the Lakers should target him? So one thing that strikes everyone when they mention Chris Duarte is his age. He's going to be 24 when he starts the NBA season. Um, while that is considered definitely older than typical NBA prospects, there's a certain, certain maturity to his game, especially offensively. Uh, he's a shooting guard out of Oregon. He's about 6'6", I want to say about 190, 200 pounds altogether, maybe a little bit bigger. But he really had a standout year in terms of shooting. So I frequently use hoop math to get shooting percentages and how many rim attempts and all that stuff. He's 71% at the rim, 52% all other two-point ranges. Uh, I think he's 42% three-point and 81% free throw line. So regardless of what 
the number of rim attempts versus three-point attempts, any of that stuff is, that's just a great general shooting profile overall. So playoff teams, especially in the late first round, are looking for that kind of shooting. Hopefully a guy who makes simple decisions doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And if they look at him through the lens of, hey, we can get a guy, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes, and he's going to be a rotation-level player for roughly a mid-level contract or less than that, then that's a great get for any playoff roster. Yeah, the this is the one prospect I started watching tape on. Um, I went on his synergy the other, I believe, on Friday. If you just take a look at his synergy snapshot, scoring this man does <laughs> at just about any, any way, um, 94th percentile as a spot-up guy, 94th percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler, um, 84th percentile off screens, um, just everything – he was doing um, offensively was impressive last year, 75th percentile around the rim and then a 99th percentile on unguarded catch and shoots. Yeah. Um, yeah. He shot 60% <laughs> on those shots. Those aren't all necessarily three pointers, but given, given his play style, how he was used, I would venture to say all those were probably three pointers. Um, he is an incredible shooter, which is probably why he is, uh, he's flying up draft boards. Um, I, we made this list before Sunday and then it sounds like he's a guy that's in contention as high as a, the late lottery pick with golden state, the 14th pick. Um, I don't know that he's going to be around. You mentioned the age. Um, one thing that I've kind of turn to that always used to be a bit of a negative um, with players but when you're a team like the Lakers who um, are contending for a title I think sometimes that age can almost benefit um, a team like the Lakers because a lot of times these players are comfortable in what they can do comfortable with their skill set and can come in and do that right away in the draft so he's 24 he's a late bloomer um, but for a Laker team that their championship window is now, if they're going to be drafting a, a a player in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a player like this who can come in and impact right away. Um, I think of a player like Josh Hart as well, who has pretty much been the same player since he's gotten into the NBA and it's a really good role player. He's going to, he's going to get a big payday, but it's things like that. Um, He was a, an older player coming out of college. So um, Cameron Johnson as well for uh, I think you mentioned him in your article your kind of breakdown we saw what Cam Johnson could do for Phoenix yes yeah and I mean when it comes to kind of how they play their skill set is, is a Cameron Johnson a, a good comparison for Duarte uh, in a sense yeah I remember at North Carolina he had a lot of spot up jump shot opportunities um in Duarte's case, which I specifically like, he had a lot more individual shot creation opportunities there. So his comfort with those spot up shooting shots is obviously there. As you mentioned, he's what, like 99th percentile. But uh, I think what playoff teams are looking for are, are two or three level scoring threats. So yes, he's going to hit open three point shots. Great. So 
when teams close out on him and try to run him off the line, what is he going to do? He has a sidestep and then he can attack the closeout. And if he attacks at the closeout in the mid range area, what's he going to shoot? Well, he shot 52% all other two point ranges. I would be personally happy with anything above 40, right? 33 is about average, which is fine for every young NCAA player, but you're telling me, Oh, this is a 52% shot and it's from mid range and it's within his comfort and he does it off the dribble. Great. Now the rest is, oh, well, he's 71% on at the rim. And some of that is from on creation ability. But what I also like is he works well off the ball and he's very predictable in how he plays. And I think veteran teams appreciate guys that won't make a ton of mistakes Mm -hmm. and you don't have to yell at someone to say, Hey, you're open, shoot it. He's just going to do that. If that's a good shot, he will take that. If it's a bad shot, he's not going to force it. And that that goes miles for playoff teams. Yeah, the, one of the big things I noticed watching film on him is how good he was. You mentioned if somebody's um, closing out hard or closing out off balance, how well he um, exposed that. And whether it was a, a shot fake, go by him, whether it was – um, just straight dribbling right around somebody who was off balance and getting to the rim. Um, not shockingly, on jumpers from 17 feet to the three-point line, he was 99th percentile. Of course he was. Um, <laughs> that was only on 20 shots, but still. Um, he can score with the best of them. So I guess... <laughs> If he's this low in the draft and he is this good of a shooter, is the defense the concern then? So the defensive role I saw in him was he was hidden off on the weak side on a role-playing type shooter on against other teams. And from that area, he was a bit of a roamer where he can play free safety, attack passing lanes. And he has this very unique kind of one one step like lateral lunge you know like um when you scout players you notice very unique things about players like um Ron Artest or Metal World Peace he he just had a unique ability to steal the ball with his left hand it didn't look like a part of him but he always was able to knock the dribble out with Duarte he has this one step lunge and then it goes into him playing off ball defense playing one pass away, anticipating the steal, and then he's uncontested all the way to the hoop. And if he if it's not along the perimeter, along those sides, then he digs on that one-step lunch, reaches in, and just gives anybody in the interior, usually post players, just a lot of fits. And he's a guy that teams have to be aware of where he is on the floor. He, uh, he seemed like – I didn't watch a ton of defensive highlights, just kind of a, a good team defender. Yep. A smart team defender is the kind of the sense I got uh, f- from him, which um, when you shoot as well as he does, you can live with that. Um, and certainly the Lakers needed shooting last year. You can never have too much shooting, but um, he's a guy. A- another kind of thought I had is watching film. He's one of those guys where the ball swings around and it gets to him. And if you're the opposing thing, opposing team, you're thinking, oh, crap, that one's in. Um, he's that type of guy, that type of shooter. So, um, but all that being said, uh, the, the report, um, initially was that 
the Lakers had promised Chris Duarte um, they would draft him. Um, I believe that came from Sam Vecini of The Athletic. Um, That was on... That must have been four days ago. Yeah, it was literally four (laughs) days ago. And (laughs) again, at this point, I would be surprised if he's available where the Lakers uh, pick. Um, So moving on to Jaden Springer. Um, Another, you're going to see a... uh, a similar theme in these guys that we're going to talk about today, but um, just kind of give me the quick rundown on Jaden Springer then. So Jaden Springer played for Tennessee. Uh, he's about six, three plus with a six, seven plus wingspan. Uh, he's a, he's listed as a combo guard. He defends point of the attack very well, pressures the ball, makes all the necessary rotations. He can heat guys up along the defense band and he's just unusually built very well for such a young player. He's still 18 years old. Um, I think he shot uh, from memory 43 and a half percent behind the arc, not a ton of attempts, but he's willing to take that. But the most comfortable shot for him is when he does that shot fake or he creates off the dribble and say there's traffic in the paint, he's able to create that mid range shot, get his feet in the paint and just, loft the ball in from, you know, 12 feet to 17 feet out. And that's a very comfortable shot for him. Uh, the percentages won't necessarily reflect it in, in terms of all other two point ranges. I think he was around 33 and a half percent from there, but you can tell that if he's ran off the line, he's opting for that shot. And if he's not doing that, then he definitely has the physical tools to finish at the rim where I think where he was around 65% at the rim. So, and I think he gets there. Let's see here. I think 30% of his total shot attempts are actually at the rim. So now we're talking about an 18 year old kid who defense point of attack. He plays physically. Uh, He's a bit of a fire hydrant. Once people start getting into the painted area and he's not afraid of contact on either end of the ball. So despite him being so young, I think he's more confident in playing and making an immediate contribution than, say, other players that are in the draft. Um, we could talk about age and, and physicality and all sorts of other stuff in terms of NBA readiness, but when I see players that play to using their chest and not just their feet and mixing it up in the paint a little bit and not being afraid of contact at either end of the floor, I think that reflects something of the NBA readiness altogether. So uh, Duarte did not participate in the combine. Jaden Springer did. So we have some more concrete measurements with him. Uh, Jaden Springer, 6'4 and a quarter with shoes. Um, He has an 8'3 standing reach and a 6'7 and three quarters wingspan. Um, 202 pounds at the combine. Uh, He will not, he will have just turned 18 when the season's, or excuse me, 19 when the season starts. Um, very young, uh, and it, it's kind of this balance. This will apply to a couple guys, but it's kind of this balance with the Lakers where um, they have a system with the G League, um, with the with Phil Handy, one of the best player development guys, um, where they can develop. They've proven that they can develop talent. Um, I mean, two guys, Caruso and, and THT, are – 
our homegrown guys that they've um, that they've kind of built and they're both going to be free agents and going to get big paydays this off season. So it's kind of this balance where do you want to, how do you keep kind of feeding that beast, so to speak, and, and churning out quality players while also, um, I mean, as we mentioned, the title windows now, <clears throat> excuse me, the title windows now, and we don't know how much longer, even though LeBron is kind of defying father time, we don't know how much longer he can do that. Is is Jaden somebody you see that can come in and contribute on a on a title contender from day one? The the one thing that I think helps determine NBA readiness, especially in a rookie year, is how much the role changes from the college level. Mm-hmm. I think if he defends a bench player from a point of attack and just simplifies role in terms of Hey, you're open at a corner, take the shot. If you need to attack a closeout, pull up from mid-range, great. Just those three elements all together, then that makes it a ton easier for him to contribute more immediately. Uh, I remember when THT uh, first got playoff minutes against Houston, and his role was simple. It was the same exact thing. You are specifically designed to uh, or assigned to a lesser wing on the defense event, handle that, and then offensively we just need you to spot up and attack a closeout and if you can do that we can get you minutes on a playoff team THC did really well against Houston and we didn't expect that for his age either so yes there are similarities in both roles but in the end in in regards to playoff teams AD and LeBron are basically the ultimate cheat code with playing big while having guard skills on the floor and moving the ball around so if you can fit wing type skill sets on the floor regardless of height and place them on the floor defensively, they could play, right? Janet Springer, fine. Defend point of attack, handle X player, be physical with him, great. If THT needs to handle an off-wing shooter and then maybe deflect some passes using his arms and gigantic hands, great. But on the offensive end, take the open three, attack the closeout, make a simple basic decision and nothing else, then I don't see why not. You mentioned earlier that he shot 43.5% from three. It was on 1.8 attempts per game. Are you pretty confident that he can kind of expand those those shot attempts and, and keep that, obviously not 43.5%, but still be a, a respectable three-point shooter? Um, What I like is the shooting profile. Uh, he's really good at the rim. He's comfortable mid-range. He shoots well long two. He just has a naturally built upper body. It looks really easy for him. So I... I want to say that it's more like four attempts behind the arc. Yeah. I, oh, no, you're right. At, at 1.8 attempts, he shot it for three and a half percent. But see, if you look at his shooting profile overall, where he's 65% at the rim, 81% at the free throw line, and then he's comfortable creating within that mid-range area, I have every bit of confidence that he'll take those shots. Uh, usually he gets closed out on, hard on. That's why he pulls up from that mid-range shot and takes the contested shots overall. Next guy uh, I want to jump to, um, we're going to kind of keep these brief so we can get as much info in this as we, as you, uh, as you guys, or as we can for you guys, um, a national champion um, from, I didn't watch much college basketball this year covering three NBA teams, but I knew everybody talked about how good uh, Gonzaga was all season and um, Baylor came in and laid the smack down a little bit on him, but, but Jared Butler was on that team. Um, what can you tell me about Jared Butler? 
So Jared Butler is, well, let's just start with, he's a guard. He had more of an initiating duty in the prior season. And then last season, he was more played in an off-guard role next to uh, Davion Mitchell. Uh, I just remember he has a 6'4 wingspan. He's a little bit shorter than that. It's almost break-even. But in terms of play type, out of pick and roll, if a defender goes behind a screen, he can punish the defense hitting that open three. Uh, if he's put in a movement situation, he can hit those shots off the movement. If he uh, gets ran off the three-point line, he can pull up from mid-range and shoot some ridiculous percentage. He also has a tremendous shooting profile as well. And one of my favorite things about Davian Mitchell is when you, I mean, Davian Mitchell, about Jared Butler is when you see him play defense and you look at a guy, he's like, oh, it's another guard. He's going to be attacked on defense. What can he do to defensively to stay on the floor? He has this remarkable ability to block perimeter shots. I can't explain it. The, the reach isn't that much. The wingspan's only six foot four. He just doesn't have to load up a lot. And whether he's against cards or wings, when they shoot threes, he can actually block the shot. He's really comfortable extending without fouling. So I think that's really, really important, especially at, at a guard spot that's often found um, helping out in terms of closing up to shooters and helping out with perimeter defense. Uh, that would definitely be his best quality that I've seen so far defensively. So yeah, he's a killer shooter with some defensive uh, acumen over there. And he would be great if uh, for the Lakers, especially with another shooter next to LeBron. Yeah, the again, the first thing that uh, jumps out um, uh, doubling back real quick, the Lakers did have Springer in for a workout. I don't believe they've had Butler yet. Um, the They also interviewed uh, Jaden Springer at the Combine. Um, with Butler, um, another guy, 98th percentile on spot-ups last season um, and 98th percentile overall on catch-and-shoot. Um, yeah, this is a guy, um, he averaged 6.2, three point attempts per game, shot 41.6%, um, a little bit smaller, as you mentioned. Um, he also took part in the combine. Um, he came in at six, two or excuse me, six, three and three quarters, um, with a six, four wingspan. So not a super link long guy or anything like that, but, uh, when you shoot the ball as well as he does, uh, you don't necessarily need to be long. Um, does the his size or lack thereof bother you at all, especially? I mean, you mentioned how good he is defensively. I guess that doesn't hurt him at all defensively then? Well, I think the Lakers won their championship based on a power game, essentially running LeBron at point. And then yeah. we just threw – KCP and Caruso as big guards defensively to throw out other people. So there is a physical matchup there. Uh, I think with the most recent championship with Milwaukee, the same thing happened with Drew Holiday pressing up against uh, Booker at point of attack. So yes, uh, physicality absolutely matters, especially when it comes to the playoff level. But at the same time, if a guard can make up for that in some sort of way, whether it's forcing turnovers being able to contest shots, provide some defensive rebounding, any kind of those aspects, I think they can stay on the floor, especially for his particular level of shooting, which would absolutely draw gravity all the way up to the three-point line and maybe beyond it. 
it's it's interesting you mentioned those last two title teams um because i saw a point made after i believe it was the night that the um the bucks won that somebody pointed out the league is uh maybe rightfully so so focused on spacing and three-point shooting and the last two champions were a lakers team that was kind of built on power as you mentioned size kind of beating people up and then this bucks team was a lot of that that same type drew holiday absolutely wore down that phoenix backcourt um specifically chris paul and they just kind of bludgeoned people um there were more than a couple games where they just absolutely the bucks did annihilated them on points in the paint rebounding stuff like that so there is certainly a value to having guys as you mentioned just physically imposing um just wear you down over the course of a series um because that's ultimately i think a big thing that happened to the to the suns they jump out to that early lead but in the series but um over the course of the the entire series they looked more and more gassed while um the the bucks never really missed a beat and i think that kind of a, a lot of similarities with the Lakers title. They wore that heat team down and then game six, it just kind of the dam opened dam broke and yep. um, that, that heat team kind of gave up um, in especially that second quarter. I, <laughs> I mentioned this the other day. I don't know how many times I've watched that second quarterback from game six of the Lakers heat. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of my most fun, <laughs> fun the most fun quarters I, I can remember. I don't really know what the list would be, but um, that was just the culmination of a series in which the Lakers just kind of kept imposing their will and eventually um, the heat broke and um, the Lakers just kind of ran riot. So it's interesting you mentioned that with, with Butler and how he could potentially fit that uh, that kind of idea and if the Lakers do lose um, a shooting or excuse me, a point guard with one of, I mean, all their point guards are free agents. T- um, te- yeah. Technically this off season. Uh, Ain't th- no way I let Janet Springer so much. <laughs> yeah. I was say, THT is technically restricted. I'd be very surprised. The only way I think he would leave is if they trade him. Um, the other two, anything goes, it seems like. Um, so it's, it, it makes sense why a lot of these guys are, are ball handlers to some degree. Last guy, uh, I specifically mentioned that uh, I wanted to talk about him. I will let you first give a uh, summary of him, and then uh, I'll mention a couple other things. Josh Christopher from Arizona State. So Josh Christopher is a guy I've had to circle around several times after watching him and then looking at his profile and everything else because compared to – how I look at the draft now versus how I looked at it before. Um, he's the kind of player that I would have absolutely loved just even as recently as the last year or two years ago. Um, Jacob knows, cause we've done some of these draft podcasts before. I always look at ball handling shot, shot creation guys who have three point range and Josh Christopher is uh, from what I remember, he's like the son of a musician and I think he has four brothers and they're all ball handlers. So it's like, it's a Hooper family, not a basketball family. (laughs) And uh, I do not want to get into that. (laughs) So um, when I watched the Arizona state tape, 
Like there are some shots that just they they didn't go and they were wildly off. And at the flip side of things, you could see the ball handling creativity. You could see how he creates space on his own shot. You could see how comfortable he is when he's open. He's willing to attack. And he's scary when he goes downhill. Uh, when he participated in the scrimmage, I think he got like six shots within the first five minutes. But I can't really say that too many of them were actually bad shots because they were well within what he's capable of. And when he gets downhill, like he's just going to be a rim threat. He has this really unique intersection of balance and strength with the upper body where he's just able to absorb contact and still finish at the rim, which is really unique. Um, There might be some reservation with the shot in terms of him shooting slightly left to right, not as extreme as Lonzo was when he first started, but just a little bit of curvature, like, I don't know, just a couple degrees off. But when you see a guy that's able to create shots, withstand that kind of contact, you know, make some highlight plays defensively and not be afraid to shoot, that's the kind of guy typically rave for in the NBA draft. So Christopher is an LA, I guess, more LA area native. Um, And he is a guy that the Lakers have worked out. um, I believe on Friday is when they worked him out. Um, He had some, some interesting quotes, grew up a Laker fan. Um, He uh, talked about, um, the quote jumped here on me, but he talked about he has a Kobe tattoo for one. Um, nope. so all automatically a, a fan favorite. Um, he, uh, yeah, they asked him who his favorite Laker was. Uh, he said, It's tatted on me, Mr. Kobe Bryant, of course. So he will immediately, everybody is going to love him. Just show that tattoo once. Um, but he was also talking about. He said uh, he would sit at home um, with his grandma just watching um, Lakers games, talking about how grateful he was just to even have a workout with the Lakers. Um, Again, that man will immediately be a fan favorite if he comes to L.A. Um, He's an interesting prospect, though, because he was – Coming out of high school, he was number 12 overall in the nation, highly touted, um, but really struggled at Arizona State, um, particularly shooting the ball. I mean, was that the biggest issue he had last year at Arizona State, just kind of finding his way offensively? Yes. So that's the kind of thing I look out for, especially with young prospects. Sometimes uh, you watch prospects and they're looking for what part of the game is easy for them and how far they could push the limit in terms of their own shot selection, what they're comfortable with, because at the same time, they're playing at the NCAA level from high school. Players are bigger, they're faster. The schemes are different. So what things that I've done at the high school level, can I just immediately transfer to the next level? So I think there's a lot of that. Um, But that being said, it's not that hard for me to see where he becomes more proficient at taking those same exact shots. In the end, he's creating space on his own shots. He's spotting up in the corner and regardless of him being the off ball guy or being the on ball guy, usually players lose rhythm in terms of that. And there might be some possibility of that with Josh Christopher, 
but just having that beast level of ball handling and three level shooting and be able being able to withstand contact at the rim out of a late first round pick or so that's kind of really what you're looking for and it doesn't matter necessarily how big a player is if he can play guard and he has a skill set this is what he can do are some of the shots bad sure kobe's were too right thd had took bad shots too yeah. you know we could go down a, a huge list of players who were young and took bad shots early and then it didn't take them long before they took better ones and or they got more efficient at them and i think that's a similar path for josh christopher his uh he only played in 15 games last season um so his synergy profile, everything is a small sample size because the whole season was. Uh, the thing that jumps out, though, is he was in the 91st percentile in transition. Um, yeah, downhill. Yeah, I was going to say he, he, he looks like someone that is an athlete for sure. Um, and he, uh, it, it, he looks like a little bit more of a raw prospect. He was at the combine. He got his measurements. Six four and a half height, six nine and a quarter wingspan. Um, is this somebody that's more of a long term kind of prospect, or do you think he can um, have a role on on the Lakers next season? So, uh, I mean, initially, I would think that he's more of a long term prospect, but in the end, that really just boils down to the prospect, right? Yeah. I, you know, sometimes I wish we could discount the brain. Hey, if we know that this guy can figure it out in a month, this guy's immediately taken. So that's really a risk that the Lakers have to weigh for themselves with the scouting process. And just generally speaking, from my point of view, in regards to anyone in the NBA draft, and this also includes players who are drafted in lottery, it's really, really, really hard to find an impactful first year immediately productive positive contributor for any team let alone a playoff team so when you're looking at this deep in the late first round someone might say hey maybe he doesn't get the minutes right away but the following year he might be worth the risk because look what he does with this ball handling look the shot creating ability it's not easy to get this level of creativity on the floor on the offensive end especially in transition and i think he's worth the risk and if that's the case Josh Christopher is the guy. He's the Laker fan. He's an LA local. And he's got the foundational skill set to really expand upon. So, you know, that's definitely one of the reasons why I've considered him as one of the priority players on my general uh, list for the Lakers at the 3-2 pick for now. If I was reading between the lines come draft night, if they take a guy like Christopher, I would think that would mean they feel pretty good about retaining some of their own free agents um, because I don't imagine you take a guy like Christopher, if you don't have a good idea of who's going to be on the roster next season, Um, especially when you're competing for a title, because as you said, it seems like early on could be something similar to the THT route where he spends, maybe he'll spend some time at least in the G league and then kind of get a feel for what's going on and, uh, and whatnot. But, um, those are the the handful of prospects in the first round we we want to talk about. Um, but akin to the day, right as we were about to go live, um, a report come out that pretty much um, threw all of that <laughs> into the garbage, basically. So when we come back from the break, we will talk about that and some other names that could uh, 
come up for the Lakers on draft night. So right before we came on here, um, Draft Express, Jonathan Gavoni tweeted out that um, the Lakers with so many, I mean, as we mentioned, every, every player we just mentioned was a combo scoring guard, point guard type. Um, with so many of those guys kind of bunched together in that area that the Lakers were looking to move down from the 22nd spot um, to gain a second rounder or two. Harrison wrote um, why that makes sense for a variety of reasons, most notably with all the cap restrictions the Lakers are going to have. Um, The cap hold between a first-round pick and a second-round pick is um, a couple million. I want to say it's around 1.3 million where the Lakers are going to be, and every dollar is going to count (laughs) this this offseason with how close they're going to be potentially to hard capping themselves. Um, the di- So the the 22nd pick would have a $2.7 million salary. Um, the rookie minimum for a second rounder is 925000 So actually you're almost at $2 million. Um, that is going to be a big deal this, uh, this offseason for the Lakers because they are going to be strapped financially with what they can do. Um, so I kind of sprung this on you late. I I know that you always are are diving deep into second rounders and whatnot. We don't really have a great idea of who would be looking to trade with the Lakers um, and who might be interested in moving up. There are a couple teams. I know the Pelicans have four second round picks, but I don't know how interested they are in moving up. Oklahoma City, I just assume, has like seven picks in the draft 35 picks it doesn't matter they have a ton <laughs> yeah they actually do have the 34th and 36th pick um so there's any number of places that they could move detroit has a couple early in the second round so um basically just give me a couple names that you're looking at for um the second round it can vary wildly but kind of in that in that range in the first half of the second round who are you looking at there So uh, I will just start with uh, clutch clients, generally speaking. Uh, Two of them that stand out are Brandon Boston Jr. from Kentucky and Jericho Sims from Texas. Uh, Starting with Brandon Boston, didn't have the greatest freshman year, not really too focused on that. Uh, What I did look into was his high school tape, where he played for Sierra Canyon High. And what I was interested in is he's a 6'7 wing with a developing three-point shot, but what was really likable about it was he was able to hit those pull-up three-point shots off the dribble and show some actual shake against defenses at the high school level. And then on top of that, he was a transition threat. And uh, I think Jacob knows I look for guys that have uh, a certain level of pick-and-roll advanced ball handling ability, right? So point of attack gets screened off. It's how do you react to the help defender or the drop big? And usually if you change direction on that guy, one way or another, you're going to get me, get a fan out of me. So uh, it was really hard to find, but he was able to show that in a semi-transition situation and he was able to finish at the rim. So I'm seeing the ball handling flashes. I'm seeing the isolation shot creation behind the arc flashes. So it makes sense to absolutely take a chance at him, especially in the second round. Uh, Jericho Sims out of Texas, he's just a monster vertical athlete. I can't remember his vert. I just remember his 
eyes being at rim level multiple times throughout <laughs> the draft combine and thinking to myself, this guy is roughly 6'10 or so. I can't remember off the top of my head, but that's still ridiculous. Um, he has a giant catch radius with good hands, and he's the kind of lob finisher that can get lobs at that top of the backboard square kind of target. The, the ones where it's really out of reach for opposing defenses. So he's a lob target. He can rebound well, as long as he shows enough ability to protect the rim and just stay out of general foul trouble. That is a monster, monster pick, the, especially for the reason that he showed flashes of defensive switchability at the five on guards and wings and showed effectiveness while still being physical and not always fouling. It's hard to find that generally speaking. And then one last guy uh, I like out of Oklahoma. He's six, four without shoes. He's got a six, six plus wingspan. Austin Reeves. He played for Wichita state for his first couple of years. That's more of a spot up shooter. And he shot really well behind the arc. And then the past couple of years, he took on more initiating duty. And the most recent season he had a, I think it's a 56% free throw rate. So out of his, out of all of his shot attempts, he was able to draw one free throw out of every two attempts. That's a giant mark, especially for an initiator. But that guy has a crossover that resembles what Brent Hill does when he crosses over, where it's just a slight step, really compact, low crossover, left to right, hard drive right, and then he's initiating that contact. And he's also crafty about how he initiates that contact as well. So now I've got the same player that's able to spot up, uh, be an initiator, attack the rim. Those are big requirements. And considering how we had mentioned earlier that the Lakers play more of a power game and they like playing physical. This guy is a physical guard and he's going to be a rim threat and he's comfortable spotting up behind the arc that hits all the check marks. So Austin Reeves is, is a fun watch. Not every layup has the greatest amount of craft or touch, but just you watch these defenses and they are just kind of taking a little bit of a beating from all of these drives and I think he'd be great in the second round as well. So touch on each of those guys real quick. One, I find it absolutely hilarious and amazing. I did not know uh, Boston was from Sierra Canyon. And now I love the fact that that is going to be a pipeline uh, as long as Bronny is there of Sierra Canyon to clutch. Um, But uh, uh, he was at the combine he came in at 6'7", 6'10", and three-quarters wingspan. Um, certainly has the size profile of a somebody that can contribute. Again, another young guy. He will be 19 when the season starts. Um, he'll turn 20 pretty early on in the season. But I, always, I also always, again, I didn't, I didn't watch this season, but I always found it kind of tricky at times to scout some of those Kentucky teams, um, depending on the year, because it's just so many pieces that they bring in. Um, and I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, um, but a lot of times, regardless of how poorly the season went, um, those guys will still succeed at the next level. Um, I believe it was, uh, Shay, that Kentucky team struggled, um, and 
SGA came in and he's been amazing. Um, There's any number of, of guys who on those Kentucky teams, I mean, even on the successful ones, um, a guy like Bam wasn't really a, uh, a top prospect just because of the way coach Cal often uses his big men. Um, So there is some degree of, I don't want to say throwing out the tape because there is something you have to take from what he did at Kentucky. But um, a lot of times those Kentucky teams can kind of um, mislead you, I guess would be maybe a better way of putting it as to how good a prospect is. Um, Yeah. Just a, just a quick note on Brennan Boston, because I know the season can be kind of misleading in terms of when looking at base stats, but just going over his splits um, in February, he took about four, four and a half attempts behind the arc per grant per game and shot 42%. And then in March, sure. It was only three games, but then he shot over five attempts behind the arc and hit for 41%. So there's some reflection there of his three point shooting ability, especially closing out the season. He's certainly another one though. Um, that would be more of a long-term play, but with a second round pick, it's, much easier to kind of swallow that and you're not committing nearly as much money. Um, anything like that. Jericho Sims, I pulled up his combine numbers while you were talking about him and good Lord. Uh, he is six ten, seven three in the quarter wingspan um, with a vertical. I'm pulling it up, but I believe it was 44 inches. Yeah, that's um, all, you know, just six, seven guys jumped at 44 inches. Not a big deal. 44 and a half max vertical leap. Um, yeah, you could say lob threat. Um, <laughs> he last season as a role man was the 97th percentile. Um, and as a, they listed as a cutter. A lot of times that's also just kind of dump off passes under the basket on synergy. He was in the 70, uh, 74th percentile on those. Um, so in a role in that role, which is what he would almost certainly play with the Lakers, you could see there being reason for optimism on 92 attempts around the basket. He was in the 99th percentile. Um, he shot 80.4% according to synergy around the basket. So, um, makes a lot of, yeah, it makes a lot of sense why (laughs) the Lakers might be interested in him. We saw, they kind of tried to do some other things with the center position last year and um, to replace JaVale and Dwight and it didn't really work. And that Jericho Sims, just based on what I've seen so far, seems something a lot closer to JaVale and Dwight than uh, maybe what they had last season. Um, And then Austin Reeves, you mentioned the first thing that jumped out to me was the, uh, that free throw rate. Good Lord. Uh, Yeah. 54.1%. Um, free throw rate is free throws attempted per field goals attempted. Um, so he is getting to the line. Um, now that doesn't necessarily immediately translate to the NBA because as somebody who watched someone like LaMelo all season last year, uh, referees aren't always eager to give rookies calls like that, but, uh, it will eventually translate. Um, you'll get a, excuse me, you'll get a reputation and, and whatnot. He is, he measured at six, five and three quarters at the combine six, six and a quarter wingspan. Um, 
but another interesting prospect. So last thing, we got a little bit of time left. Um, the always exciting bit for draft junkies. Who's a, a couple names maybe that you're looking at as undrafted free agents potentially? Um, so Derek Alston Jr. out of Boise State. Um, not the biggest name, but he's roughly 6'9", about 190, 200 pounds. Had time as a ball handler and as an off-ball guy. Takes a lot of three-point volume. But as I mentioned before, I look for big psychonics, uh, especially spend time handling the ball, willing to shoot from range and show some dexterity um, in terms of uh, passing and off-ball ability. He fits all of that. Uh, Jordan Shackle, I think he's a 46% arc shooter from San Diego State. Uh, so if you're just getting the guy the open shot, it just seems like automatic money. Um, and then there's EJ Onu. Uh, chances are he might be selected in the second round. He is a lob threat as well. He just happens to have roughly a seven foot nine wingspan and he shot <laughs> 40% behind the arc last season. And I think he's more of a mid 30% arc shooter overall. But with that kind of athletic ability, wingspan and shooting ability, regardless of level of competition, somebody's got to give him a look. So why not the Lakers? Seven, nine wingspan. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, you don't need remote controls anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, yeah, pulling up, I pulled up those first two, both um, in the 98th percentile for Shackle and spot up and 92nd percentile and Alston and spot up. I would say one of the number one priorities for the Lakers this offseason, whether it's through the draft, through free agency, is getting more shooting, um, which it seems based on some of the rumors that they might be valuing. Um, came out today that they're discussing potentially a trade of Kyle Kuzma for Buddy Heald, um, stuff like that. Um, be interesting to see uh, how much they value shooting this offseason because uh, um, it's going to be – it was something that I think at times the Lakers really needed, <laughs> especially in that, that Phoenix series. I think everybody's going to remember how many open threes they missed. Yes. So it'll be interesting if there's kind of a, a reaction to that and if they try to bring in some shooting and, and uh, maybe sacrifice some of the defense or the, that physicality that um, they were known for when they won the title. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Mike, tell everybody where they can find your work at before we get going. Sure. Uh, you, you can find me at Canyon Driver on Twitter or LakersDraft.substack.com. Please feel free to leave any likes comments or any suggestions on players you want me to evaluate. I would love to do that. Even with a handful of days to go leading up to the draft. I love doing this every year. I can't really seem to escape it regardless of how many hours I actually work. <laughs> and I really appreciate the invite and it's good to see you around again, Jacob. Yeah. Uh, I'm subscribed to the Substack. I would recommend everybody, especially this week um, to get an idea of who the Lakers may be interested in. And um just get an idea of how they fit. Mike is was great at it. We've been doing this. I was thinking today that how you and I started, I believe one of our first draft podcasts, we were talking about Willie Colley Stein and <laughs> D'Angelo Russell. So uh hey, we nailed those. <laughs> we did. We uh it's been a long time though, and uh so I'm excited to be back, focused on the Lakers. I'm excited for the draft coming up and uh hopefully it's a fun one. So 
uh for mike this is jacob signing off have a great one everybody all right thank you